You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Emily Leadham. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we have had a fantastic morning. We just got off the phone with George Weigel, uh, author... Emily, Emily, did you you listen to what you just said? What? I just got off the phone with George Weigel. I said that. I said we had a fantastic morning. We just got no, off no, the phone know, with George Weigel. It's amazing. Oh, I I, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I thought you were no, 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 nagging no, no, on no. my energy no, level, no, no, and no, I'm no, like, no. I probably am still a little starstruck. Exactly. So give me a minute. Amen. No, it was, <laughs> give it me was, a break here. Yeah. Any takeaways from that conversation? Uh, JP2 is awesome. Oh, my gosh. No kidding. Which I do already, but... Uh, <clears throat> Tomorrow yeah. is his feast day. I cannot Thursday. wait. Thursday. Excuse me, Thursday. That's right. 22. Yeah, I always think it's the 21st. Um, Yeah, it just was a a really uh, great opportunity, a great gift to hear his encounters with him and just the ordinary things of life that he got to do, like go have dinner and eat candy. And he has a sweet tooth. He has a sweet tooth. Yes, absolutely. Well, next we have a young priest on the line with us. Uh, Father Tony, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you. How are you, Emily? We are doing great. Are you staying dry and out of the sleet this morning, Tony? Yes. Actually, <laughs> it's beautiful here on the shores of Lake Michigan. What? <laughs> what? what? Well, well, no wonder you're not in studio with us, Father Tony. <laughs> are you on vacation, Father? Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with my parents and my aunt for a couple of days. Uh, we're going to visit my sister later this week, but we wanted to make a little bit of a vacation out of it. The sister that's a sister? The sister that's Correct. a sister. Yeah. Oh. She's a, a so she's a cloistered a cloistered Franciscan nun, right, Father? Yep, yep. She's a poor Clary in Rockford, Illinois. Okay. Oh, awesome. Well, Father, um, first of all, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. I love that you're with your family right now. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your growing your your growing up. Um the and parish then, that you belong to. Whatever, Bergwald. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's, let's start there and then perhaps get into a bit of your vocation story. Sure. Yeah. I grew up, uh, in Sioux Falls at, uh, yes, St. Lambert Parish where Dr. Chris Bergwald happens to be a parishioner of, (laughs) 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 um, and yeah, I grew up in a very good, uh, Catholic upbringing, but I wouldn't say one where it was, you know, uh, my dad always says, I don't know what happened. I mean, having three kids, and uh, one is a sister, one's a priest, one is happily married and very faithful. He's like, we, we never, you know, slipped holy water into your food or soup or <laughs> anything like that. And, <laughs> um, but they really did, I think, just lay the foundation uh, for grace to, to really work and, and to take fruit. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, I mean, there definitely was a lot of the foundation of the faith as well. I mean... Mm-hmm. Sunday Mass was never really an option. Um, even we'd be out of town for, for soccer tournaments. I had I played soccer. and Or we'd be out of town for vacation or whatever it is, and my mom would have, you know, all the Catholic churches of the local town with all their Mass times and directions <laughs> to them from the soccer field or from the hotel or wherever we might be. Um, so it, there was always a plan. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily make you the cool kid on the soccer team uh, mm-hmm. when <laughs> they're all going to go to dinner and you're going to be late because you're going to Mass. Uh, but I look back and I really see how that just, it really did lay the foundation that this 
is something that uh, is important. You know, mm-hmm. it really is. It's, it's fundamental. It's a tenant to, to take seriously. Um, and so that's kind of the household I grew up in, but very much, you know, active in um, sports and music. Uh, I went to O'Gorman High School in Sioux Falls um, and was involved there. Uh, but it was really there that I started to take my faith a little more seriously, getting involved in campus ministry. Um, and that's really, I think, where some of the gears started turning for me to, you know, think about seminary. So uh, did you, because you entered seminary right out of uh, high school, correct? Yep, I did. Okay, so when was the moment where you thought, I think I'm, I'm going to apply. I'm going to take the leap and just apply. Uh, I don't remember the exact date. Some people are really good about things like that. Um, if I was married, my wife would be mad because I'd forget important dates like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I visited the seminary, so I had been thinking about seminary a little bit off and on, um, just through a couple conversations and experiences that I had had in retreats of, of thinking about vocations, really. Um, and it hadn't really gone away. My senior year came around, and I visited some colleges, and I didn't really feel like it was fair to not visit the seminary, um, mm-hmm. if it was really, you know, something that was on my heart. Um, and so after I visited there, actually it was while I was there, I was brushing my teeth in the bathroom, and I looked around, and they had all these little uh, cutouts of scripture quotes or saint quotes, things like that. And I had been... Uh, kind of acquiring a list of, you know, some of my go-to scripture verses and stuff in a little notebook that I had been wanting to kind of do something like that in my own room at home of, you know, just to kind of remind myself of the presence of God and even the ordinary ways of life. But I hadn't been doing that. So <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I was, I guess, either too lazy or just didn't have the motivation to, to do that. And so I was at the seminary and I looked around and I saw that and I said, it's, it's providing what I wanted to provide for myself. Um, and a few days later, I was back home in Sioux Falls, uh, brushing my teeth in my own bathroom, and I looked around, and I didn't see any of these, you know, little reminders. Um, and I just looked at myself in the mirror with my toothbrush in my mouth and toothpaste, I think, started coming down my face a little bit. <laughs> but I just said, Tony, you have to go to seminary next year. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it was really at that moment where I not really at all was convinced that I was supposed to be a priest, right? Um, but was very convinced that I was supposed to be asking God this question, and that it was a question too big for me to answer on my own. Yeah, yeah. So once you got to seminary, what was, what was seminary life like for you? What were maybe some of your favorite memories from seminary, or perhaps challenges that you experienced? Yeah. Um, there certainly are both, and I would say that the the joys certainly outweigh the, the challenges of it. Um, I grew up the youngest of three with two older sisters, and I always wanted a brother. I mean, I asked for it on Christmas list as a kid and, you know, all these things. I really wanted a, a brother, and that never happened, you know. We, mm-hmm. we made do, <laughs> but then once I got to seminary, I really started to encounter friendships that were so much deeper than just, you know, we have, you know, some common interests 
or, you know, we ended up going to the same school, and so we kind of get along, and circumstances allowed for us to, you know, kind of be friends, where these friendships were really rooted on Christ, um, and they were rooted in Him, and that everyone that was there, all the men were there, um, whether or not they went on to become priests, uh, really the fundamental question they were asking was, what does God want of me? And when you live in a community like that, uh, that is striving for virtue, it's really living to be holy, um, it's amazing the friendships and the bonds that can truly form between that. So certainly that was, like, I think the biggest joy is just this breaking open of what friendships could be. Um, and that's not to take away from the fact that, you know, we played a lot of sports or, you know, went out <clears throat> to, you know, go get a burger on a Saturday night or go to a show in Minneapolis or go to a Twins game or things like that. Um, but the friendships weren't just rooted in things like that, of like just doing things that are fun together. Um, it was really rooted in in prayer. What a, And I just am thinking, what a gift, because so many of us, I think, go throughout life with very... Um, perhaps shallow and I, and that sounds more harsh than I intended to but very shallow relationships uh, that don't have uh, a real rootedness or a way in which they call us on to uh, become better pursue holiness pursue a deeper relationship with the Lord and so what a gift that that was you know just constantly surrounding you um, and amidst you know the challenges of studying and uh, a lot of the the extra you know academic work that was part of your life as well, I just think that's such a gift. Um, Father, as you went as you went through seminary, um, I I took note that you said you know you felt called to enter <coughs> enter seminary and ask the question, and not necessarily that God was clearly asking you to be a priest. Um, was there a moment in which that changed or a time? How did that kind of gradually move from the Lord simply wants me to ask this question to the Lord is inviting me uh, to this vocation? Yeah. The, I mean, the Lord works with us, which means um, he's patient. Uh, <laughs> what a because gift. we're complicated sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it was about my third year in college seminary where I just started to notice a little bit of a shift in my prayer where my prayer before was, um, <clears throat> God, if you want me to do this, I'll do this. Um, because I really, you know, believe that whatever whatever it is you are asking of us, um, if we respond with generosity, you know, it will <clears throat> make us happy. It will truly be what is most fulfilling in this life. I did, I trusted that. But I didn't really understand, I guess, at that time, how the priesthood could do that for me. Um <clears throat> Excuse me. Part of that is because I was, you know, 19 years old. Mm. I didn't know the priesthood that well. I didn't know myself that well, um, all things considered, of course. And I just didn't, I guess, have a, you know, I had a relationship with God, a good relationship with God, but it wasn't one where I really, like, knew God's love in such a powerful way. And just over the course of a couple years of formation of, getting to know myself better, getting to know the desires of my own heart, uh, getting to know priests better is a huge mm, thing of just yeah. seeing the lives of priests and hearing, um, you know, stories of their priesthood that mm -hmm. I started to see, okay, you know, 
that, that prayer shifted from God, if you want me to do this, um, I'll do it. It switched from that over to God. I think you've actually given me the desires to want this myself. Um, and so it's still true that I'll do it if you want me to do it. But, you know, it's, I think it's Alphonsus Liguori who says perfect love is the coming together of two wills. And I, I really kind yeah. of felt like just through a couple encounters that I had had, um, as well as encountered with uh, married couples and, and husbands and fathers, where I saw the goodness of it, and yet I saw something in it that I said, I think my heart is for uh, to love God alone, to love to love mm-hmm. more. Um, so it was definitely a process, but it took yeah. uh, you know some wrestling with my own uh, desires, and, uh, but it's brought mm-hmm. great fruit. I'm very happy as a priest. Father, well, how do you know you've only been one for three months, Father? <laughs> That's a plenty, <laughs> you know plenty of time to know your, I'm kidding. your piece of joy. Are you happy your first three months as a, Ab- as a father? Absolutely. As a <laughs> absolutely. I, I, knew, I saw that one coming. Well right. played. So, Father, we're, we're coming up on a break. When we come back, I want to hear about um, those few few those first few months uh, as, as a priest. Also, just to give you a heads up, I'm curious to know, uh, before we get into that, what you would say um, people would be um, most surprised to hear about seminary life. So we'll kind of transition from seminary to life as a priest. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to Real Presence Live. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I am Emily Leadham. And we'll have more with Father Tony Klein right after the break. Stay tuned. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. As a working Catholic professional, your needs and priorities for returning to college don't match a traditional campus experience. That's why the University of Mary has created a portfolio of truly affordable, truly flexible, and truly formative online graduate programs that are sure to align with today's needs. Advance your skills while strengthening your faith at the University of Mary. Visit us at catholicprofessional.life. That's dot L-I-F-E. 
This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I am Emily Lita. And we are broadcasting this morning from Sleeting Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're visiting uh, with one of the pre-sons of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, Father Tony Klein, who just got ordained this summer. But he, where, where he is right now in Wisconsin, it's, it's chilly but not so sleety. Is that right, Father? Father? Uh-oh, did we lose you, did Father? We, fa- I'm here. There we go. Oh, there we are. There we go. There we gotcha. Are. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Father, I before we before the break, Chris had asked you uh, or to start thinking about uh, that transition from seminary to your ordination. What was the question that you asked? How did you word that? Well, I, um, what would people be most surprised to learn yeah. about seminary life, Father? Anything come to your mind? It's fun. <laughs> hmm. Um. Now, maybe maybe if people have talked with priests before, I mean, they've probably heard good stories about seminary, but my sort of understanding before I went was it was going to be, um, you know, a place with just a bunch of quiet, very prayerful, studious, uh, very, like very serious all the time people. And I was really surprised to see, uh, like, true uh, enjoyment of life that, that was shared there. It was, well, I, I had a blast. Yeah, I really... I, I was amazed just... at how I, I really thought, you know, okay, I'm going, I'm giving up everything, if you will. You know, I'm giving up my, you know, um, ability to, you know, go on and play more soccer or to do music things or this or that. And in a way, like, I surrendered those, but God very generously, I mean, gave them back. <laughs> mm-hmm. He provided opportunities for me to still enjoy the things that I enjoyed. And the glory of God is man fully alive, and I really... I really experienced that in seminary a lot. Hmm. I went to school at the University of St. Thomas, which is on the same campus uh, as SJV, St. John Vianney Seminary. And I remember like once a month or something like that, if you were out walking on the quad in the evening, it was after dinner time, you could hear the seminary. I have no idea what they were doing to this day. I have no idea. But like yelling and cheering and I don't know if they were having a wrestling match, a throwdown. I, it didn't sound aggressive. Well, it was aggressive, but, <laughs> but you could tell just the amount of joy and people out in the quad would just be laughing. Like, what is, what is going on in there? Like, clearly these men are having the time of their lives. Um, so I love that. So father, your, your ordination was this past, gosh, was it early June? May 29th. End of very end of May. Um, tell us a little bit about your ordination, maybe a favorite memory from that day. Uh, something that sticks out to you? Yeah, I think maybe similar to memories from people's weddings um, is how fast it goes, but how yeah. blessed of a day it really is. Um, you know, to see people from all sort of periods of your life there, and granted that was a little bit subdued just because of uh, COVID, but we were able to still have a pretty good crowd based mm-hmm. out in the cathedral. Um, but to see people from different parts of my life um, that just really, you know, I'd see people and I was reminded at the gift of God to get me to that place through these people. And all of my grandparents have passed away, but I really was thinking about them a lot mm. a couple weeks beforehand. 
um, <clears throat> and was able to actually stop at one of the cemeteries where um, my grandma and grandpa, one, one of my sets of grandparents are buried before ordination and just pray there. And really just realizing, like, this, you know, God's plan for, for me to be a priest, and I, it's true for everyone, and God's plan for each of us to do what we're called to do begins far before we're aware of it. Um, you know, even just thinking about my grandparents and their yes to each other and their faithfulness to God and to each other, that made my ordination possible. Like, it made me feel very small in a way, and just how, in the grand scheme of God's picture, like, His grace was very particular, and it's, it's very particular for, for each of us to cooperate with. And so it was, I mean, it was full of joy, but it was just, there was so much gratitude of feeling very, like, small in a way, very unworthy, um, and just realizing, like, this has been God's plan. I really can't have, like, made any of, any of this up myself. Hmm. Father, if I recall right, every priest um, on their ordination day, I think, asks two other priests to uh, vest them or or something like that. You're going to have to help me out with the terminology. Um, who right. are the yeah. Who are the priests that you asked to be a part of that? Because it's quite an honor for a priest to be asked. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I kind of wrestled with the question for a while because I you know, have a good number of uh, priests that have been good friends with me throughout my time in seminary and been very helpful in my time in seminary. Um, but the, I, I chose two that were, I think, a little bit of a surprise to some people, but also a little bit of a surprise to me at first. Um, one was Bishop Swain, who, you know, was the bishop for me my whole time in seminary. So he, right. even before, he confirmed me. And then he accepted me to seminary and walked with me throughout my time in seminary. And um, I, you know, petitioned to him to be ordained a deacon. Mm -hmm. And I was ordained not in Sioux Falls. I was ordained um, in Rome. And so I wasn't ordained by him. And I was full well expecting to be ordained a priest by him. And then in February, obviously, we got Bishop DeGroote. And so knowing that he walked with me my whole time and that he wouldn't ordain me, I really felt that not, even not so much as like, a, you know, sign of gratitude or thanksgiving for him, it was more of a recognition that he's been very faithful to me um, and very supportive of me in my time in seminary, and I respect him and look up to him in a lot of ways. And so I asked him to, to be one, and then the other one is Father Ed Pierce, who I didn't know super well. Um, He's a retired priest of Sioux Falls, of our diocese. But he baptized me uh, back at St. Lambert in 1993. And when I was in uh, school, in in classes, when we were studying the sacraments, specifically baptism, I was just really amazed at the power of baptism and what it changes and what what it means that God is claiming us in Christ and that we're clothed with a new garment. And... I just remember thinking, wow, this priest is the one that baptized me. He clothed me in Christ. How awesome would it be to be clothed as a priest by him as well? And I had had a couple encounters with him the previous summers, uh, just in some short conversations, and was very edified by his holiness, his dedication to to Christ and as a priest to the Church. Mm. And so I asked him, and he was very, very moved. 
Um, but I said, you know, you might not have known, you probably didn't know when you were baptizing me in 1993 um, that one day I'd be ordained a priest. Um, but I'm grateful for your faithfulness to, to me. And so I really, you know, they both had great influences on me in ways that I think I'm not even totally aware of. And so mm-hmm. it was it was a real joy to have both of them uh, just as kind of role models as priests as well, how to follow. Mm-hmm. Father, we've just got a couple minutes left um, looking at these first few months as a priest. Any particular joys or struggles come to, you, to mind for you in, in this new life that you're living now? Sure. I think the struggles are kind of just you know, somewhat external, um, you know, moving, uh, more or less, you know, like starting a new job, not knowing as many people, you know, I think that's the thing with any time, you know, someone graduates and moves somewhere for a specific job or you get married and you move somewhere, you know, there's all those external. Right. Um, but again, the joys far surpass the, the struggle and certainly celebrating mass, um, and hearing confessions, I've been incredibly surprised at what hearing confessions has done. It's made me uh, a better penitent because I'm like, wow, these people are very contrite, and they're so. I mean, just the examination of conscience that that people do was really bringing out in me is like, wow. Sometimes, you know, am I too easy on myself, or you know, <laughs> vice versa? But the thing that's really been amazing is how different my perspective is from the seat of the confessor as it is when I'm a penitent. So when I go in as a penitent, I'm like, oh, you know, oh, what was me? <laughs> your your lens is all of your sins. And that's really like what I, even sometimes still I catch myself. It's just, you know, what I see through the confession is mainly my sins, my weakness, um, which is certainly a part of the confession. It's necessary. But as a priest, um, you're sitting there and you just see the humility. You really, you see a beggar. You see someone who's begging yeah. for mercy. And it's really through the lens of mercy that I see penitence. It's not so much like through the lens of their sins. And I imagine it's kind of like what a father or a mother would feel like, you know, if they see their kid uh, do something wrong. They're not, you know, like happy about that. But if that kid runs up to you, you know, you're going to reach out to them, uh, and you're going to do whatever you can to console them and hopefully, yeah, help them to avoid doing whatever it is that they did in the future. Um, but it's been a great experience of me of like, wow, this is, this must be what the father feels like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I experienced this in a small way, but this really must be what the father feels like in his unconditional love for us. What a gift. Well, Father, thank you so much for just sharing your your passion, your joy. It's really contagious and such a gift to all of us. Uh, And know that all of our listeners will be continuing to pray for you as you uh, lean into this life that you've been given, this great gift of the priesthood. So thank you so much for joining us later on in the show. Absolutely. They are opening themselves up to the grace of the word through meditation on the mysteries of the life of Christ. Stay tuned to hear more about one incredible group and how you can be involved. That's what's next on Real Presence Live. I'm Emily Leadham. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we will be back after the break. <laughs> 